want you to reach out, hold someone's hand. Thank you, choir. Let's bow together. Our Father and our God, we stand before you today with our worship, praying that you take joy in it. We thank you once again that you've blessed us with the privilege to gather in your presence, that we know without a shadow of a doubt that you are here and that we have experienced you. Now, Lord, we turn to hear a word from you. I have studied, but I need your strength. I have prepared, but I need your power. I'm willing and I want to, but only you can make me able. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. And the people of God said, Amen. If you have your Bible with you this afternoon, would you turn with me to the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 13, a small passage in a familiar story. I pray today that God will shed some new light on it. Numbers chapter 13, beginning with verse 30, and we do honor the Spirit of God in this place. We thank God for our pastor, Bishop Walter Scott Thomas Sr. Let's celebrate him. We thank God for our First Lady, Lady Patricia Thomas. Let's thank God for her as well. And to you, all of you who are gathered here today, it's just good to be in God's house. And to all of our associate preachers, this is what we always talk about. Always be ready. Book of Numbers chapter 13, beginning with verse 30, and the word of God reads as follows. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. The word of the Lord is blessed. I need you to do me a favor. I want you to take your neighbor by the hand and I need you to ask them a question. I need you to say, neighbor? Oh, neighbor, are you Caleb? Amen. The word of the Lord is blessed. You may go to your seats all over the room. And that's what I want to talk about this afternoon and this time that shall be mine from these words. Are you Caleb? Are you Caleb? Hope you pray with me this afternoon. The Bible, my brothers and my sisters, is a collection of stories. In it, we see the general theme of God's redeeming love that is shared to his people from Genesis to Revelation. And it's through each piece of this story we are introduced to different characters. Many of these characters are very prominent. Some you may know their names well, Adam and Eve. Persons who don't even go to church can tell you a little bit about what Adam and Eve did in that garden. Names such as Moses of Abraham, those are names that ring loud in popular culture. Then when we flip over to the New Testament, we all know that name by, the, by that man by the name of Jesus the one who came to save us from our sins. Characters pop up that show us God's story as it is woven perfectly from Genesis to Revelation. But there are also some other characters who do not have a prominent role. Other characters who seemingly have small, insignificant points that speak up in Scripture. Some we don't even get their names, such as the woman with the issue of blood, the woman who went to the well, persons who seem insignificant 
but at one fateful moment, they had an opportunity to have a significant impact. And one of the things I love about God, my brothers and my sisters, is that even when you think you are insignificant, God can always give you a moment to have a significant interaction. Do I have a witness here today? Oh, is there anybody here today who knows there have been seasons in your life where it felt like you were the opposite of cheers? You went where nobody knew your name. But all praise be to God that he knew your name, and he made a moment where you could step on stage and show everybody what you were working with. Oh, slap fire with somebody in your room and say, there's more to me than what you know. You may not know my story. You may not have read my autobiography, but God has been doing something inside of me, and I'm just waiting for that moment to come where I can step on stage and do what God called me to do. Oh, is there anybody here today who knows there's been some times in your life where you knew God made you for more, you knew greater was inside of you, and you just said, if I can just get to the moment where I can step up and do what God called me to do, I can show what God has put inside of me to help somebody else. Characters that have insignificant backgrounds but have significant opportunities. Our text today highlights one of those very characters, a man by the name of Caleb, a man that we met, anybody who's been in Sunday school for more than a month have heard of Caleb and Joshua, the two spies who had the good report. But Caleb is an insignificant character. Caleb has two times in Scripture where he even talks. Right here in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, and then in Joshua 15, 14 and 15, the only two times he says a word. Every other time in Scripture we hear of him, it's somebody else telling of what he did. But God gave him this moment to step on stage. So some two, th four plus thousand years later, there will still be people talking about what he did. I don't want to preempt myself, but there's somebody here today who's going through something in life you're trying to do right. You're trying to make sure that others can see what the God has called you to do, and you're wondering if anybody's going to remember, if it's going to make a difference, if anybody will think what you did was right. Well, God sent me by here today to tell you that it's not up to you to keep your legacy going. You just have to do what God told you to do right now, and He will make your name great before men and women that need to hear what you have to say. Caleb has risen up in this pinnacle moment in the time of the children of Israel's journey, and he has now spoken, and everyone knows who he is. You know the story. Moses has sent 12 spies out, gives them good instructions to go into the promised land and come back after 40 days and bring us a report on what you saw. Let us know what's there. Give us a map so we know what we're getting ready to get into. Bring back some of the produce of the land. So 12 spies, one from each tribe, go out and they spend 40 days in the promised land. They come back with the fruits of the land, carrying them on their shoulders, and they give their report. They begin by saying how there's great produce there. They'll be able to grow all the crops that they need. They'll be able to sustain themselves because they have been living just on manna. But God has a place for them where they'll be able to have everything that they want. They'll be able to grow the food they want. They'll have the crops they want. They give all of this report. But then... They start sharing their opinion. See, Moses never asked, what do you think about the land? He said, just come back with facts. They come back with facts, and then as good black folk do, they want to share what they think. And that's why you ought to get leery of people who answer a fact question with opinions. 
That's another sermon for another time. They begin sharing what they think about their possibility for success in taking the promised land. They say we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Surely we can't take this. This promised land that God has been preserving for us for over 400 years cannot be ours because of what we see there. And they begin to infect everybody in Israel with doubt. And one of the things I've learned, deacons, is one of the chief tools of the adversary is doubt. The goal of the adversary is to make us question and doubt the Word of God. And make us wonder that what, we, what God said is ours can really be ours. And they began to infect everybody's ears with doubt that we can make it. Doubt that what God said is ours is really going to be ours. Oh, somebody missed that. I know you got a good shout in, but let, pay attention for a couple minutes. I'm going somewhere. They question it. If the promised land that has their name on it can really be theirs. Are we too close? Are we too far away? Let's bring it close. They're questioning if the house that God already put their name on the deed, if they can really move in. They question it if the one he kept for you can really be for you. They question it if the job that was designed based on what you had to offer could really be yours. And this doubt is making them question if God is going to do what God said he's going to do. And I've learned, my brothers and my sisters, that whenever you see doubt rise up, you have to understand that you have to fight the enemy right then and there. Oh, is there anybody in here who knows about having some spiritual battles some battles when folks started doubting if you could have something, doubting if God was really as good as you thought he was, and you stood up and say, devil, you are a liar. I'm not allowing you to gain a foothold in my life. I'm not allowing you to gain a foothold in this family. I'm casting you out right now. What God said is mine is mine. I'm trusting and believing that he didn't bring me this far to leave me now. He did not bring me through the Red Sea to die in the wilderness, but if I got to go through Jordan, I'm going to walk up to it and believe the same God who did it before is the same God who's going to do it again. Oh, slap fire with somebody and say, I'm fighting doubt. Devils, you should have stopped me before I got to church today. But I know right now that that doubt is sent from hell, but I'm going forward in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel like preaching now because when I start thinking about the times the devil thought he had me by making me question who God was and what God said, I started seeing that no God has too much for me to stop now, but I'm pressing forward, believing that he will fight every battle in my path. You got to fight that doubt right where it is. Caleb has heard enough. He says, all right, y'all doubting if God going to do it. Y'all thinking what you see going to stop you. I can't be silent anymore. You have heard the noise. And if I don't speak up, I'm not sure what's going to happen. So this is my moment 
to speak up. Text says, Caleb gets up, stands before all the people and before Moses, and says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do this. Y'all spreading doubt, but I believe we can do this. Y'all want everybody to run the other direction, but I've seen God do too much to think that this is going to be the end. God has brought me through too many crazy situations for me to really contemplate giving up because I see a weapon that was formed. God has delivered me every time in the past where I did not see a way out. So because I'm in the situation again, that's just another indication that God's getting ready to do something for me. I see y'all about to mess my whole script up, but I need to pause right there and talk to the folk who know you've been in some crazy situations where everybody else thought you were going under, but you just started going back down through memories lane and saying, no, 10 years ago, I was up against a serious wall and God delivered me. Five years ago, the doctor said I wasn't going to make it, but I'm still here. And if they say it again, I'm believing God's going to do it again. Caleb! Says, I done had enough of this. I can't sit back no more. But I gotta let y'all know we can do it. We can take this. And text says, Caleb rises up. But something interesting happens, Bishop. He rises up, but don't nobody listen to him. See, somebody was looking for the shout right there. Because you know the story. They get stuck for 40 years. One year for every day, they did not believe why they were in the wilderness. And many of us have been like Caleb. We've got our, our pride up enough to stand, say something. And then it was as if nobody listened to us. I see, I know y'all want to be super holy. Y'all shouted a couple times. But I need to talk to some honest folk who know there have been times where you said, I'm fighting for right. And as soon as you close your mouth, they just went on as if you didn't say a word. Because if you notice the text, nobody ever addresses what Caleb said. Nobody even says, well, that's your opinion. They completely ignore him. And it's in that moment where you really have to question what you're going to do. Because I wish I could stand here as the, as the preacher for the hour and say, whenever you take a stand, everybody's going to get on board. But that's not going to happen. The question is, will you be Caleb even when the results are not up to you? And Caleb says, I have to understand now I'm trying to teach y'all, you can't focus on everything else. You just have to focus on you. Because the only thing you can control is you. Somebody here been praying that God change everybody else. God's not going to answer that prayer. You can come every Tuesday. God still ain't going to change them all. He going to change you. He going to change them when they pray. But he working on you. And Caleb says, I got to help y'all understand, if you're going to stand up like me, because you're going to find yourselves in some situations where everybody else is saying the negative report. 
and you're going to have to understand that you will have to get up like I did. First thing you understand is a simple point is that you got to stand up. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand up. It's interesting, Jaden, when you look at it, Caleb hears everything. He has spent 40 days with these brothers. He's been bonding with them. They've been making tents in the promised land. They've been eating good. Y'all don't study y'all Bible. They had been living just on manna. For 40 days, they got feasts. They can eat whatever they want, and it tastes good. They've been cracking jokes, hanging out, and now he comes back. And 10 of them say one thing. One of them don't say nothing. And Caleb says, I can't take this. This is my time to make a stand. And that's difficult for many of us because we don't want to actually stand up. Ain't gonna get too many amens on this, Deacon Fields. We don't want to say, I don't believe that what you're saying or the way you're living is the right way. I don't want to say to the family member who's shacking up, maybe y'all shouldn't live together before you get married. I, I don't want to say to the same one who already got four kids, maybe you should figure out a different way. I, I don't want to stand up when everybody on the job is talking about what they're going to do that ain't right. But Caleb says, no, nah. first thing you got to do before you figure out what you're going to say is you got to be willing to make a stand. Because it's a funny thing when you look at the text. At this point, there has only been one narrative. So all that the people of Israel and Moses have heard is the one narrative. So when there's only one narrative, everyone believes that this is what all 12 of them thought. So if Caleb doesn't speak up, there will be no one to enter into the record that maybe we can do this. And God said, I'm putting you in that place right now because I need you to be the one who takes the first stand. Because the interesting nuance in the telling of the story. In chapter 13, we have Caleb rising up. In chapter 14, it's Caleb and Joshua. But the first person to take a stand is Caleb. We don't know if Joshua would have ever stood up if Caleb hadn't done it first. And there's somebody here who's going through something wondering why it feels like you're all alone, why it feels like you have to be the one to always fight for right. Well, God sent me here today to tell you that you have to take the first stand because there's somebody else that's waiting to follow your lead. Your children are watching to see what you do when people disrespect you. Will you sit down and cower back? Or will you show them you stand up for yourself? Your coworkers are looking to see, well, how he gonna respond when they tell him he can't pray on the job? When you can't have your Bible out on your desk? Because they're waiting to see you take a stand. Because you know, a lot of times, folk wanna say, I'm gonna stand up like somebody else. Y'all know folk like that. They get big and bad after somebody else starts. And sometimes, this is the shout, 
God puts us in places to lead others on the right track. So when you take a stand, you may feel like you by yourself, but God says, I always have a remnant that I'm waiting to activate. And as soon as you do your part, you send the signal to the backup troops to say, no, nah, it's time for you to come on along too, because I got somebody who's ready to take the lead. He says, I got to stand because I got to change the narrative. Because if I don't speak, everyone will doubt that we can have what's already ours. And we see this very clearly in this present day, that God has called us to enter in some new data into the narrative as Christians, to speak up. Because if we're silent, we get grouped right along with everybody else. We see it in the political climate right now, where persons can say off-the-wall comments, and the people you expect to stand up sit back and recline in their chair. Mysteriously, they have no comment. But whenever you don't have a comment, you're just going along with what's been said. And God said, I'm calling y'all in 2019 with all the craziness that's going up in the world, with all that's happening in our nation, to take a stand and let somebody know not every Christian's endorsing this craziness. Not everybody believes that this is the will of God. But there are some others who believe that it's right to love folk, even if they don't have the same citizenship as you. Even if they don't talk like you, you still show them respect. Because that's what the love of Christ looks like. Caleb said, I got to stand. Because I got to let them know this ain't the only thought pattern out there. There's another way to do this thing. Because the funny thing about Jesus is that Jesus comes to essentially give us another possibility. The whole world was going to hell. And Jesus said, I'm coming to show you another path. And whenever you stand up, it's your responsibility simply to show people that there is another way. You don't have to get that car on the way. You just simply got to say, this is the way. And if you go this way, God will take care of you on the journey. Okay, says you got to stand up because this is your moment. And if you miss it, it may not come again. So he says, first thing you got to do, you got to take a stand. But second thing, you got to understand in these situations where you're going to find yourselves in a tight spot where action is required, you got to understand that after you take a stand, you have to have faith. Turn to your name and say, you got to have faith. Caleb takes a stand, and his words are interesting. He does not take a stand and say, hold up, guys, let's talk about this calmly. He doesn't stand up and say, yo, 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 y'all slow down. Let's just do what we were assigned. He stands up and says, we should go up and take possession of the land this is it. For we can certainly do it. Caleb, 40 days, saw the exact same things as everybody else. He saw the same giants that the other 10 saw. He saw the same obstacles that everybody else saw. But Caleb came to a different conclusion. And the only way 
you can look at stuff and come to a different conclusion is with faith. Because you know, you Bible believers, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of what? Things not seen. So whenever you are making decisions based off of what you see, you are not walking by faith. But faith says, it can be a million giants in front of me. I believe that this gonna be ours. Faith says, every report can come back negative, And I believe I'm still gonna be all right. Faith says, the job can say they close and they gonna pay us, buy us out, and I don't know where I'm gonna get another one, but I'm still gonna live and be okay. Because faith is not looking solely at the facts in front of you. That's how you see so often in families where persons can come up in an abusive situation and two children who are raised in the same house can have completely different outlooks on life. One can see the negative because of what they brought, were brought up seeing. The other has learned how to see the positive because they understand that it's bigger than what's in front of their eyes. And Caleb says, I got faith that we're going to be all right. And because I have faith, all of the facts are irrelevant. Oh, if I was a better preacher, somebody would have ran a lap on that. Let me bring it back, try it again. Caleb says, giants, yeah. Fortified walls, yeah. A Jordan River that's going to be in flood season, possibly, yeah. But we can still take possession of it, and it's going to be ours. Because the facts to you are deal breakers. To me, it's just another opportunity to see, this is it, who God is. Because faith puts us in situations where we are forced to rely on God. And God can do anything but fail. So that means if I come up against a giant, it's all right because I got God on my side. Come here, David. David said, I heard somebody cursing out God. And I said, oh no, this ain't gonna happen. I'm on my watch. I believe that God would not allow this to go down like this. So I'm walking out to the battlefield. Saul, I don't need your armor. Brothers, I don't need your negative reports in my ears. I'm walking out with all I have and I'm gonna take my slingshot. I'm gonna take my little rocks and do what you couldn't do with every piece of armor and sword you have. Because when you walk by faith, the facts are not important because they can't stop you. And the truth of the matter is, some of us are here today because we were in some situations where we had to stop looking at facts. Our faith might not have been big enough, but we said, no, I believe that God's going to bring me through this. I don't see how. I don't see when. I'm not certain of all the details, but I'm trusting that the God I serve is going to bring me through it so I get a testimony of, look what God has done for me. Oh, slap fire with somebody and say, faith has brought me through some stuff. I shouldn't be here today, but I got faith that God would never leave me or forsake me. I had faith that God would deliver me from everything that tried to destroy me. I have faith. Can't say you got to have faith that we're going to get through this. Giants, yeah. Jericho got some high walls, yeah. There's a whole expansive region that we couldn't even see in just 40 days, yeah. But we can take it. 
because this is God's will for our lives. And every now and then, you have to pause where you are and really question, is it God's will for me to go out like this? Somebody missed that. Every now and then when you up against the wall and you doubting if you're going to make it, questioning why you came this far, starting to compare and say, maybe I need to go back to that old captive situation, you just need to say to yourself, did God bring me here to leave me right now? Because God said, no, I brought you here for you to see who I am so you can see who I'm going to make you to be. Caleb says, I got faith that we can do it. But it's interesting, his faith preachers, because Caleb has heard all this, but he says we should go up, take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Now, I know if it was me and I heard these other 10 chumps talking about how we couldn't do it, I would have wrote them off and said, you know what, y'all? I'm going. And I'm going to take possession of the land because I know who God made me to be. But Caleb says, we should go because God's going to give it to us. And the funny thing about faith is that your faith should never be small enough for just you. But true faith says, I'm believing God's going to do something for you even when you can't see it today. I need to talk to some folk who know there have been some situations where everybody in your house did not see it. But you say, no, I'm trusting that God ain't just going to bless me, but God's going to bless everybody connected to me. The blessing that's coming to me ain't just for me, but I see you in your future too. He says, my faith is big enough for all y'all, so even while you doubting, I still have faith. And sometimes you got to thank God that your grandmama, your mama had faith for you even when you ain't see it yourself. Even when you were trying to do everything to run away from it, they still said, no, I see something inside of you, baby. And if you just keep in God's hand, you're going to see what I see. Says God, have faith so you can get through this situation. But it's interesting what happens. I told you, nobody listens. And it seems as though he, he took a stand for no reason. He took a stand, and everybody said, all right, that's cute. Go ahead and sit down. Let the grown folks get back to talking. You got to really read the Bible. But something interesting happens. God cast the sentence down. Forty years, they trapped. Everybody who came out of Egypt that was over 20 or so dies in the wilderness. The other 10 who didn't believe go away quick. They don't even get time to help everybody understand why they thought what they thought. God says, y'all gone. But God says, Caleb and Joshua, y'all going to make it. And this was the interesting thing that I had to take license because normally when you look at a scripture and you're building a sermon, you look in that one text and all the answers and everything's supposed to be right there. But in this one, you can't stop just at this text because you got to flip over to the book of Joshua. And in Joshua chapter 14, after they've been there for some time, Caleb is, was about 40 when they went to the, to the promised land to spy it out. Now they're in the wilderness 40 years. Then the first five, they haven't gotten to him yet. 
Caleb is now 45 years older when he speaks again. 45 years of silence. 45 years of living in the wilderness with all the other doubters. 45 years where he sees everybody who came out of Egypt with him die. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Sees a new generation who don't understand him. Who don't even know who he is. And he speaks up. Chapter 14. And he says, Now then, just as the Lord has promised, he has kept me alive for 40 years. Since the time he said to Moses, while we were in the desert, so I am here today, 85 years older. And this is the shout. And I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. And God's saying, after you take a stand, after you build up your faith to believe even what you can't see, you just wait because you'll be blessed for doing what I called you to do. The New Testament gives us better language to put this point. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Which simply means if you have faith, if you walk by what you believe and not what you see, if you stand up even in the most difficult of times, you can rest assured that God will bless you for doing what he called you to do. Oh, is there anybody here today who know there have been some times in your life where you had to take some difficult stands? You weren't sure how or if you would make it, but you just trusted and believed and said, no, I'm believing that this is what God assigned for me to do. And you stepped up and was standing all alone. People didn't understand why you did it. They didn't know where you got up to doing this type of thing. But you said, no, I believe that this is the will of God concerning me. And when you stood up, they didn't believe you then. People thought you were acting idly. They thought you had lost your mind. They thought that something was wrong in your head. But you said, no, I'm doing what God called me to do. I got to say this. You may not like it. You may not still be my friend. You may block me on Instagram. You may unfriend me on Facebook. You may report me on Twitter, but I'm still doing what God called me to do, and you did it, and then you said, well, I'm not certain if it was the right thing. I'm not sure how it all is going to work out, but then sooner or later, God came to you and let you see that because you did this thing, I've got a whole another thing that's reserved just for you because God said Caleb because you stood for me today I'm going to bless you tomorrow everybody else is going to have to live where their tribe lives but I'm going to give you your own area I'm going to give you your own inheritance I'm going to give you your own blessing because when God blesses you for taking a stand for him that blessing 
is not just for you, but that blessing is for everybody that's connected to you. I need you to take your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, take the stand for your children. Take the stand for your grandchildren. Take the stand for everybody that's connected to you. And one day, they'll look back and wonder, why am I so blessed? Why is God protecting me? Why are angels surrounding me? And they'll say, it's because Caleb wasn't scared. It's because Caleb stood up and spoke the truth and believed that God would take care for him. And is there anybody in noon service who don't mind giving God some praise right now because you've seen that God has blessed you for every step, every time you stood up, you were better than you were before. Every time you took a stand, God restored